0: We did it! Uh, Although they pushed us to our limits. It made us sweat, but we survived ten points down in the fourth quarter. Isn't that how you said it? And we overcame. I know that... uh, I know that it got a little, it got a little testy, a little tricky there in the fourth quarter. I know that some of us had a few tears in our eyes thinking, "Oh, it's not going to happen again." But we did it. So we'll put this over here. I'm invested in that uh, win, Super Bowl win, but I will confess, I was skeptical. My wife, every, every year I grow my goatee, she's like, how long are you going to have that? How long is that going to be on your face? When are you going to cut that off? And so to, to kind of silence her about a month and a half ago, I said, you know what, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I'll shave it off. It's gone. So, but I'm glad, I'm glad to do that. I'm glad that, that, that we won the game. I'm feeling like chicken wings for lunch we got a whole group over here, I believe, don't we, from Wings Place. Welcome to Heartland Church of Christ. If you haven't been, this is some of the best food I've had in Kansas City. If you haven't been, here's what you do. If you haven't been, call me and I'll I'll go with you and show you how to get there, okay? I can show you. I know where it is. But glad you all are with us uh, today. Welcome. All right. By the way, now... um, there's nothing up my sleeve. There are no slides today. We're going old school preaching today, and we, and we have to go fast. We've been going through the book of Mark, so if you would, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn over uh, to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to begin in chapter 2. Now, here, here are some things that we, we just have to acknowledge about us. We are, in general, we are people that we just, we don't really like to change. We like to talk about change and we like to dream about change. But there are days I just, I don't, I don't want to change. I don't like it. Things that are new, they tend to scare us. We get comfortable with the way that we've been doing life and new things tend to make us a little bit nervous. Admitting we're wrong is a difficulty for us. Matter of fact, it scares us sometimes. Going against the crowd, we often frown on that. What will people think? What will they say? And lo and behold, especially as Christians, we can sure get serious about certain things. Where we might miss out. On, on other things in life. And so far, what we have discovered just, just quickly going through the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus is challenging. He's going to challenge us on nearly every page. I'm, I'm more fascinated with the Gospel of Mark the more that I read. He's also confrontational. Jesus will not allow us to stay where we are and try to get comfortable where we are. He'll confront us. We're going to see some of that this morning. Jesus also shoots straight to our heart. He gets there quickly with us. He's all about total transformation. About changing our thoughts and our emotions and our behaviors. And our prejudice. And our worldview. So look at chapter 2 and verse 1. And if you're ready to be challenged, say, I'm ready. Okay, this group is. I'll preach to them then. (laughs) If you're ready to be challenged, say, I'm ready. ready. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. I'm in verse 2 now. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. This, by the way, was the children's verse and the thing that they're looking at downstairs. Quick version is, so many people in the house, nobody could get in. These four friends have a friend that they've got to get to Jesus, but he's paralyzed, a paralytic. So they cut the hole in the roof, they lower him down, and they interrupt the entire church service. And I want you to see verse 5 again, and I preached on this not too long ago, so I'm not going to spend much time When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the friends, He said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw this incredible faith on the part of these four friends, He looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. I think Jesus looked at them and smiled. Wow. Sins are forgiven. Their faith brought healing to another person. Again, I don't want to dwell much on that. But there's another group that's there. They don't particularly like this. There is in this particular story now some religious opposition. Verse 6, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there and they were thinking to themselves, Why does he talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And I love this, and by the way, <clears throat> Jesus came, as we talked about during the Lord's Supper, He came so, to give His life so that we could live. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could live life to the fullest. And that's why it's critically important that we continue to focus on that, because if not, we might become like religious people. They said, what in the world are you doing here? You can't do this. You cannot do this. Only God can do that. But verse 8, Jesus knew in his spirit that they were thinking this. And he asked them, "Um, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? I love this about Jesus. I hear Jesus saying this. Oh, yeah, you want to challenge that? Oh, you think, you think I'm just speaking words, huh? You think I'm just blaspheming God. Well, let me show you something. Get up and walk. And the guy does. And he walks. Take your mat and go home in verse 11. There's a little bit of a defiance to Jesus. But he does it. They don't like it. Alright? Hold that thought. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went... Out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach. And as he walked along, he saw Levi. And what does he say to Levi? We looked at this a, a few verses earlier. <clears throat> Follow me. Let's go. Get up. Let's go. Follow me. And, and Levi got up and followed him. We, 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 we talked about this. So verse 15. Ready for this one? While he's having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors... And other people that we may not have at our house are having supper together. They call them sinners. And verse 16, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, right? Don't ask him. They ask his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why in the world is he doing this? Do you understand what this looks like? Do you understand we don't do this? You understand that in our religious world, we want, to, we want to eat and be with people that look like us and smell like us and who believe like us and who gather with us us for and no more. What, what, are you, what are you doing here? This is inappropriate. Jesus, you're running around with the wrong crowd. They're not happy about it. And on hearing this, Jesus says this. All right. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. I haven't come for you guys that are healthy. Now the implication is this. For those of us that feel like we got it all together, I'm not sick. I'm not the one. I'm not a sinner. I haven't even, I haven't even watched a bad movie all my life. I've never even played cards. I, just, I haven't even been on the internet. I don't even know what Facebook is. Aren't I just some kind of super Christian? Jesus says with that mentality, that attitude, I didn't come for you. You just go ahead and live your life. You just go ahead and keep your little core together and keep all spiritually clean. But, but, but I, I, I didn't come for that. What's he getting at? The challenge is this. It is difficult for us. To look at ourselves, to look at our lives, to look at our behaviors and our thoughts and our emotions and the people that we hang around and go, you know, I think I'm messed up. I think I need to change. I think there's a little bit of spiritual arrogance to me. I think I've gotten comfortable. I watch Jesus running around with all of these people. I just never have been able to do that. I gotta to learn to be willing to admit my religious bigotry and my failure. Or else Jesus didn't come for me. I'll let that sink in for a little bit. And this really applies to me. Because I'm up here preaching the word every week, I want to be the first one then to say, "Jesus, I need your help." I admit that I have had wrong attitudes and behaviors. I've tried to safeguard against my reputation, you see, as a minister. I don't, I don't necessarily like being being seen with those folks. And when I go there, Jesus said, "I haven't come for you then, because you feel like you got it all together." Let's keep going. Verse eighteen. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees—they're fasting. Way to go! That's good spiritual discipline. They are—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're taking seriously their faith and their practices. But some of them came to Jesus, and they asked this. No, I got. Let me see if I can interpret this right. Hey, I got a question for you. How is it that uh, John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees they fast, but yours don't? Why is that? We're practicing these things. We are doing these things. We are. I mean, we call each other to do these things. We're doing what everybody else is doing. And here's what Jesus' answer is. I want to to park here for just a moment. He says, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? You didn't get it, did you? Because we tend to read it this way. How can the guests of the bridegroom fast? And I, and I thought this through. I said, what is Jesus trying to say to them? What, what, what is He saying to them? Because I have an idea. And here's what I think Jesus is saying to them. You know what? My disciples aren't going to fast because we're still celebrating. We're at a wedding feast. right? The bridegroom, the wedding feast, the wedding party. Again, now if you know anything about the ancient Jewish at this time, wedding feast, they went on for days and they partied. They had to fight for their rye. <laughs> and they did. He said, why, why, why would my disciples fast, right? Put on sackcloth and ashes and look gloomy. Bridegroom's still here. In other words, he's equating himself to the bridegroom. What we're doing right now is we're having a celebration. That, that, that's what we're doing. We're not mourning. We're celebrating. And he says, um, um, they cannot so long as they have him with him, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And I didn't know what to make of that particular verse. So I went to the commentaries. I said, you know, these scholars, they'll know and they'll explain this to me. And I thumbed through several. And and here's what most of them sound like when they try to describe to us, what Jesus is saying as a bridegroom. <clears throat> All right now, listen to this. Somebody stand up and explain it when I get done. <clears throat> if one limits Jesus' response in two verse nineteen a and attributes 10, uh, two verse nineteen b to twenty to a later modification, the metaphorical reading that does seem in order. And although no solid parallels exist in Judaism of a bridegroom, Messianic uh, identification, marriage, and wedding feast symbolized with roots of the Old Testament imagery of Israel as Yahweh's bride did not come into play into the Jewish hope. Anybody? I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I, I don't think that's what he meant. seen it this week I thought I'd try that <laughs> seems to be popular <laughs> I'm sorry I forgive me okay I'll, I'll be on the front row of first one this morning I think Jesus hey we're fasting look at us why aren't your disciples fasting why don't you act like us why don't you do what we do why can't we get those people down the street to do like us Jesus said, because we're not mourning. We are celebrating right now. We're having a party. There'll come a time to fast, but it's not right now. Okay, so verse 21. Here's what he says to them. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old. Making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skin and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, nope. They pour new wine into new wineskins. Alright, Jesus, what are you saying here? What are you saying? I don't put a new, new patch on an old garment. It will tear it. I don't put new wine in an old wineskin, it'll, it'll burst. What, what, what are we needing here, Jesus? We're needing new wine and we're needing a new wineskin. We are needing a total redo. We're needing a total makeover. We're needing a total transformation. All right, And so let's be honest Some of us realize there are things in our lives that Jesus is challenging us to change or to do differently. And we're trying to make little bitty adjustments to the same overall lifestyle paradigm. And it's not working. And I thought about um, coaches. Quite often when you hire the new coach, especially at at, at colleges and and, and, in the NFL, they hire the new coach. And that new coach comes in and meets all of the assistant coaches that have been around and, and say, hi, you know, I'm the new coach. What's your name? Well, I'm Coach Smith and I've been here for 35 years and I coach the defensive backs and da 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 And the new coach says, it's a pleasure to meet you. The door's right there. You may leave. Yes or no? And he changes the entire, if not all of them, most of the coaching staff. That's not very nice. What are you doing? They understand this principle. They understand that for us to be successful, we've got to change the mindset around here. We've got to change the operating procedures. We've got to change the personnel. We've got to change it all. And it's amazing what happens when you begin this process of transformation. So my youngest uh, jumps for Harding University. Uh, In the high jump. And this year they got a new track coach. And they got all new personnel. And um, so so our our daughter Caroline, she's a high jumper, but she's got this foot problem. This bone right there by the big toe just hurts. And, And so when you do the high jump, you're in these little, what do you call them, spikes that have no cushion. And so when she jumps, it's just shooting pain. And she had this last year, and we we, we got her some help, but she was often she would say, I just, "I just can't jump today." And the coach would say, "Oh, I understand. Okay." Well, she got a new coach, a jumping coach. A, a, a female who I believe they are telling us yesterday set the American record for the most points in the heptathlon. Or, and, and, and jumped an unbelievable height in college. And so, this year, Caroline, you know, walks up to her and goes, Hey, Coach, I, I don't think I can jump today. My foot's hurting. And Coach says, You'll be fine. Get over there and let's go. Oh, I'm I, I just, I, I, I'm not sure I can jump today. so said, That's no problem. You can jump. Let's go. And this new coach won't listen to any of that. You ever had one of those coaches, right? At the time, we... We hated them. We didn't like them. And yesterday, out of 18 high jumpers in a collegiate meet, she came in fourth. Well you go. No, I'm just gonna clap. It's just me. Y'all don't have to clap. Isn't that a miracle? No. There has to be a change in mentality. There has to be an adjustment in our thought process and how we do things around here. And that's not acceptable. Some of us are going to have to learn to really work on our lives and go through this transformation. It's going to mean that we learn how to say no to certain things. That we learn how to push ourselves further. That we don't just have to go along with the crowd what everybody else is doing. Boy, I need a transformation. I need to start over It may mean I have to look at the relationships that are in my life. I may have to look at the way I worship when I come in here. Am I pouring my heart out to God? Some of the lyrics today were just unbelievable. Why would He give His life for me? Am I I hearing that? Am I pouring myself into that? Am I thinking along those lines? Wow! Jesus, why did you do that? I didn't didn't deserve it. There comes a time we have to just tear it down. Not trying to add band-aids on our lives. Not just sharing a a little bit of the areas where we need help. We have to come clean and say, you know what? I need new wine and new wineskins. Chapter 3, last one. Another time Jesus went to the synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Now watch, he's had religious opposition this entire time that we've been talking, right? Watch this. And some of them were looking for a reason now to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Okay, so get the picture. They don't like this man. They don't like what he's doing. They don't like his message. They don't like who he hangs around. He, they just don't really care about what he's telling people. He's changing everything. He's, 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 he's having supper with people that we would, would never do that with. I mean, he's just tinkering with our religion. And so on, 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 on church time, I call it that, they say, hey, let's put that man with the shriveled hand right over here. Okay? Because Jesus is going to be here. Let's see. And so they're all sitting back and they're watching. They're looking. They're they're just waiting to see if Jesus is going to do something. Jesus is a pretty smart uh, person, so he realizes what's happening. And he walks over to the guy and says, hey, stand up in front of everybody here. That's funny. That's pretty funny. Just just stand up in front of everybody, right? I mean, they're all, you know, they're, they're breaking their necks to see if he's going to do something. So Jesus said, just stand up. Go ahead. Let's, let's just do this thing right in front of everybody. There's no need to hide about this. There's no reason to beat around the bush with this. So stand up in front of everybody. And so we ask him a question. Which is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Great question. Great question. But here's the problem. He shot right to the heart. They're just wanting to see if he'll do something so they can condemn him. He said, let me ask you a question. What do you think is best to do on Sabbath? Heal or kill? Right? Simple question. Let's answer that for them. Uh, the, the, the answer is do good and to save life. We answered it. They won't, they won't talk. They just get quiet. They won't say. They won't say what they're thinking. They, 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 they won't respond to this. You've had this experience with people. You're in a group. They're, the discussion is going, but somebody's just not happy with this. Right? And they just get quiet. You say, now look, well, we need to keep talking here and share these things. They just get quiet. They're unhappy about it, but they won't stand up and say how they're feeling or, it's also been, they're, they'll go talk to somebody else They'll go to their own group and say, you can't believe what they're doing down there and what they're talking about. And I just, I'm just not happy about it. And say, well, now didn't they ask you for your opinion in the group? And say, yeah, I'm not saying anything. So they don't say anything. And Jesus looked around at them in anger. And He was distressed at their stubborn hearts. Kind of ticked Jesus off. Made him upset. That you wouldn't stand up. That you wouldn't be honest. That you're playing these games. That you know what the right answer is. But you're unwilling to say it. You're unwilling to stand up for it. However that applies to, to us in our life. That made Jesus angry. And so he said, Then stretch out your hand. And he heals him. Verse 20. This is the last one. Jesus entered the house. Too many people. His disciples weren't able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him because they said, he is out of his mind. He's just gone too far. This is all we can take. Somebody, somebody bless his heart. Somebody go get him. Somebody reel him back in because you know what? I think he's, He's gone a little cuckoo. I think he just doesn't think straight. He just doesn't live like us. He just doesn't teach like us. He's living a life out there that honestly is sort of embarrassing us. Let's go get him. And when they do, um, verse 31. Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent someone to call Him. And a crowd was sitting around Him and told Him, Hey, your mother and your brothers are outside waiting for you. Time to get you. You need to go home. Now, it's your family. It's your family. You need to go with them. This is your family. Right? They're always right. And Jesus says to them, Who? Who are, verse 33, who are my mother and my brothers? And he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, Jesus was saying, I got a new family. I'm willing to let go of my biological family in that sense, because I've got a family. In, in other words, whatever it is that is hindering me from, from being a disciple of Jesus and to and, and, and progress and grow and move forward, I'm willing to put it aside. I'm willing to stand up for what it is. Okay? That, that, that again is just that's, that's about two chapters. Let me go back and tell you, oh, I tore it up. I can't do that now. that Jesus is continually challenging and making us uncomfortable and calling us to move forward and calling us to stand for what's right and the truth of the matter is we just don't like that very much i like comfortable i like pe- i like you right those that are in here i especially love you but because of you right and we could just keep it here just us okay Can we promise Just us. Because I'm getting to know you and I love you. Jesus said, no. It isn't just about us. So Jesus is calling us to grow and mature and develop and take on new skills and learn how to minister and love to other people. And to grow to whatever capacity. And if you don't see that in Jesus over these first three chapters, again, we're we're, we're missing something. And so we want to celebrate. We want to enjoy. We want to love people. And we want to learn how to get out of our comfort zone. Because Jesus is, again, continually saying to us, follow me. Can you give me the address so I can put it in my GPS, Jesus? Nope. Let's just go. I'm not sure where we're going. Jesus said, that's it. Let's go. Let's go. Follow me. And so I'm going to pray this week that Jesus continues to challenge you and me and make us uncomfortable and call us forward. Because there's a world out there that needs to see Jesus in us.